them up on the screen behind me. But I always think it's still a good, good practice to have a Bible in your hand or on your computer, on your phone, and uh, to turn to it. One of the ways I learnt to find my way through the Scriptures was following preachers when they um, were preaching and uh, referencing various points. Um, so Hebrews chapter 4. So I wonder if you've uh, had a good rest recently. You know, whether you've, you've done some kind of big task that really consumed you sort of mentally and physically. And, and when it was done, you kind of just sat down and thought, ah, oh, that's good. You know? Have you, have, you, have you done anything like that at all recently? Just that kind of rest, a few nods. And, uh, you know, rest is absolutely vital to life. doesn't matter who we are. It's vital to life. We weren't meant to be working all the hours under the sun. Rest provides us the, the opportunity for reflection, for reframing and renewal. When you just keep pressing on, um, you can be heading for disaster. And uh, so if you've got a Bible and you like to turn to if he, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, we're just going to read in there. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, it will be up behind me as I say. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as it did to them. But the message that they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. For as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his words were finished from the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For it is somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David, as so long, after, so long afterwards, in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For as Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Today, many work harder and longer than ever. And even if they don't work all the hours under the sun, we tend to fill our lives with things that demand more of us and fill our time. And then the warning lights go on. Sometimes we ignore them. 
frequently, perhaps we ignore them. I don't know whether you've ever driven a car and had the warning lights come on. Yeah? And, and what your reaction has been as you've been driving down the motorway, perhaps, and the warning lights come on, oh, it's only flashing, it doesn't really matter. It might go away in a minute. You know, and you continue to drive, and it, it still keeps, you know. I'll soon be at my destination. And then as you get a bit further down the road, suddenly some smoke appears from under the bonnet, and you realize that maybe, after all, you should have taken note of the warning light. Sadly, that's the case for so many people today. The warning lights go on. We ignore them. Burnouts and breakdowns are at unprecedented levels. You only have to watch the news, read the newspapers to know that. More than ever, we need to learn how to rest. And yet, with all the time that we have, it seems to be one of the most difficult things to do. But not only is there a need for physical rest, for physical renewal, there's also the spiritual side as well. Perhaps you have no peace. Your soul is, is troubled in some way. There's, there's turmoil there. There's an unrest. A troubled soul affects the body. It affects the way we do life. It affects our thinking and our actions. It may be that you're burdened by guilt or the inability, perhaps, to, to conquer some particular sin, and, and constantly living in defeat, and this gets you down on the inside. There are things that are happening beyond your control, and you, you like to have control on the, of them, but because you don't, you have no peace. Maybe there are, are disappointments that are eating into your soul. Maybe it, it was some doubt, and as a result, bitterness and resentment are festering. You are not at rest. And rest is the, the subject of the passage that we're looking at this morning. If you've got your Bible there, and we're, we're going to note some things as we go through it, but between Hebrews 3, verse 11, and, and chapter 4, verse 11, rest appears ten times. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? And we probably should sit up and take note. It says if God says something once and he says it twice... We should really sort of prick our ears up and listen. But hey, in the space of these verses, it's kind of ten times. So that, that's kind of important, isn't it? Very important. The, re the reader wanted them and he wants us to get something. It's written in this context of a warning as you read around the passage, as you read the chapter that's gone beforehand. And I, I've deliberately read it this morning from the ESV. I, I, I like the New Living Translation because it, it flows so well for a modern age and for a younger generation. But it fails at some points. And this is where it fails because you fail to see the structure at times. And, and, and you'll notice in Hebrews you've got these therefores. Therefore, therefore. And when you've got a therefore, you look to see what it's there for because it's all about how a passage is being developed, how a teaching is being developed. And he's picking up from chapter 3, which also picks up from chapter 2. And, and you'll notice then that there's a warning. But it's a warning surrounded by masses of encouragement. And I want to say this, encouragement should always outweigh warning. As apparently, it, it can affect our minds. If, if the balance is round the other way, it affects the way our minds work, the chemical balance within us. If all the time we're just getting warning, 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 if all the time as parents we give our children warning, 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 no, be careful, be careful, be careful, don't do this, don't do that, etc., etc., that doesn't help their growth. It doesn't help their mental processes, etc. 
And it's interesting here how we've got masses of encouragement around this warning. And yet, when you mention the book of Hebrews to most people, as we discover, is most people are aware that five or six times it has these big warnings. And what are they all about? Isn't this all rather quite scary? Could we lose our salvation, etc., etc.? And yet, all around those warnings are masses and masses of encouragement. Isn't that great? Encouragement to look away unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So, really, chapters 3 and 4 belong together. And if you, you notice, right at the beginning of chapter 3, it says, Therefore, brothers, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. The apostle and high priest of our confession. So, right there, he's saying, look at Jesus, consider him. He is the high priest and apostle of our confession. Better than anything and anyone that has gone before. And then at the end of the chapter 4, it says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted in every way as we are, Yet without sin, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So this warning is, is, is at the front and the back of it. We've got, look to Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. So whenever you read these warning passages, look away to Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. Because if you start looking in and you get it wrong, you'll spiral out and uh, lose control of it. So in the Bible, rest has to do with trusting in God. We're given six days in, in which to work, and on the seventh day, it was to be a day of rest. A day when we recognize that life doesn't depend on us, that we are not self-sufficient, that we are not sovereign, that the world doesn't revolve around us. It's a day when we recognize that God is sovereign, and he is the one who provides the person who works all the hours under the sun says, I cannot trust God. And so it was given to us a day when we stopped all our doing and we said, God is sovereign. God is in control and God provides. By stopping our, our daily work, we are showing our dependence on God, expressing our faith, our trust in Him. Sabbath or, or Sunday is... Sinclair Ferguson refers to it as Father's Day. I don't know if you've ever thought of it in that way, but I just love that thought, that it's Father's Day. It's the day when the, the father loves to gather his children together from all their different walks of life, you know, and, and enjoy their company. He loves to lavish on them. He loves to bless them. He loves to encourage them. He loves to speak to them. He loves to heal them. He loves to do a whole lot of stuff, you know. And I don't know whether you've ever thought of Sunday in that kind of way. That sense that it's Father's Day. It's that opportunity for us to be together in the Father's presence and for him to, to dote on us. Some of us come from bigger families and we know what big family gatherings are like. And even if you don't, the, the church is a family where God joins orphans and puts them together with brothers and sisters, and we enjoy one another's company. 
And this was part and parcel of, of early church life. But I just love that thought. It's Father's Day, time to be with Father and his family. So even in Hebrews, you find this, this sense of don't, don't miss out on fellowshipping together. Because it is very important. It's the time when you're with Father. It's the time when you're with your brothers and sisters. It's a time and place of encouragement in God and Christ together through the Holy Spirit. And so there are rich dividends to be had. And people who make it a discipline benefit from it. It's also a symbol of a greater truth. Sabbath rest speaks of, of salvation, the rest that comes through knowing Christ as our Savior, which is something which is better than anything else that preceded it. That's, it's, do, you, do, you know, do you know that rest this morning? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord? The one who went to the cross for you, bearing your sins. The one who bore the, the judgment, the wrath of God on your sins on that cross. Do, do, uh, have you encountered him? Maybe you have grown up in a Christian family. Maybe you, you thought you've understood it. Maybe you thought you believed it, but actually you've never quite crossed the line. Today is a day of grace. Today is a day of opportunity. Today is a day of salvation. You can know what it is to, to be forgiven. You can know what it is to be cleansed. You can know what it is to have that burden lifted. You can know what it is to have a glorious hope. You can know what it is to have a purpose in life because of him. So it speaks of that Sabbath rest of, of salvation. It's also a symbol of entering into all that God has for us. It's, it's easy to perhaps step into the mode of thinking, well, isn't the gospel all about getting me saved from my sin and getting me into heaven? But actually, it's all about life as well. It's all about being saved in life. It's about living saved lives. And when we learn how to live saved lives, we, we live in a new dimension of peace that is part and parcel of this salvation that is ours in Christ. So it's a symbol of entering into all that God has for us. And I want to say to you, whoever you are, however long you've been a Christian, God has more for you. Yeah? God has more. Even the Apostle Paul said, you know, I press on towards the goal that I may lay hold of Christ and all of that which he has laid hold of me for. Turn to the person next to you and say to them, did you know there's more? And say it with some kind of conviction. Yeah? Did you know that there is more? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Whoever you are, you may be just beginning. Brother, sister, there's a whole lot more for you. You may be, have been on the road for years. Brother, sister, there is still more. There is still more. And then ultimately it speaks of our, our heavenly rest. One or two that we've known over this last year have gone to be with the Lord. And they're now enjoying something of what that rest is all about. But there's a whole lot more to that which I can't add into it at this moment in time. Otherwise, we'll really go off piece. So let's just take a closer look, shall we? The writer to the Hebrews, he, he references here the story of Israel. And we've already mentioned that at the beginning of the chapter, therefore, and you go back into the previous chapter and notice that. And he noticed how how many of them have failed to enter into the rest that God had promised for them. God had saved them from the tyrannical 
uh, oppression of the pharaohs, the tyrannical action of Pharaoh by the hand of Moses. He had wrought for them a mighty deliverance. Uh, uh, and, and he desired to bring them out of that land and bring them into the land of promise. And yet when you go back and you read that story, they had that mighty deliverance, they had that mighty salvation, and as you know, they could have gone into the promised land in a matter of days. And they sent in the spies to check it out, and the spies came back, and, and, and two of them had a very good report, said, yeah, this is, this is great, this is exactly what God has said, we should go in and we should take the land, for our God is with us. But there were ten others who looked at the land, and, and what did they see? They saw the giants. They just looked around and saw giants everywhere, and they said, oh my goodness me, you never guess what this land is like. I mean, they, they, they couldn't even see the grapes and everything else, all that there was to enjoy in the land. They just saw problems, and, and they believed the problems rather than God. And, and, and the sad fact is that whole generation missed out. They missed out on the purpose of God for them, and they wandered around in a wilderness years. All of them, bar two, Joshua and Caleb. Even Moses, who God had used to deliver them, was not permitted to enter the land. And even when they got into the land, they still had no rest. It was meant to be a place of rest. It was meant to be a place of blessing. That doesn't mean, by the way, we should never think of rest as being lazy. That's not the scriptural understanding of it. It says there, if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken another day. So when they went into that land, they still carried a disbelieving heart in many ways. And their disbelieving heart robbed them of the potential that could have been theirs in that land. And so they compromised with their enemies. And they did not enjoy the full peace, rest, and blessing that could have been theirs in that land. Even there, there was unbelief. Unbelief led to compromise. And in Israel's compromises limited their rest in the land. I ask you this morning, you know, God, God has a glorious inheritance for you. Yes, in eternity, but he's also got an inheritance now to be entered into. But you can miss out on that through unbelief. You can be robbed of that by making compromises along the way. But he says here, he says, a rest remains. And he says, let, let us labor to enter into that rest. They, they didn't labor to get out of Egypt. God delivered them. They were saved by faith in the shed blood that was painted on the on the, 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 the doorposts and the lintel. But they failed to go in in faith. They didn't lose their salvation. They were delivered. They were set free. But they lost their inheritance. They failed to be all that God, that all that they could have been in God. And ended up with no rest. Enemies on every hand, little peace in the land. So here is the writer writing these warnings and he's drawing from Israel's past. What is the context that's going on here for them? Well, some of the Hebrew Christians were, were thinking of, of going back on Jesus. They were thinking of going back 
to Judaism. They were thinking of going back to the synagogue. The temple was still standing. The sacrifices were still taking place. And maybe they'd begun to think, with all that was going on, maybe there's, there's nothing in this after all. Being a Christian, you see, wasn't easy for them at this point in time. Nero was out to get them. Rome had been burning, and it, it's generally believed that Nero had set fire to Rome. In order to save himself, he put the blame on the Christians and, and instituted a, 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 an empire-wide persecu- empire persecution of the Christians. It wasn't easy for them to live out their faith anymore. It wasn't easy for them to, to meet together. And so the temptation was, maybe, to go back. I mean, the temple was still standing. The sacrifice is still taking place. I thought all of this was, was going to pass away. And here we are suffering. I hadn't sort of bargained on this when I committed my life to Christ. And then some of them thought that the return of Jesus was imminent. He would be there any moment. And you read that encouragement later on to, to persevere within that context. They, they thought his return was imminent, and, but he had not turned up as yet to, to bring that final deliverance. Maybe let's go back. But to go back, they would have had to deny Jesus. They would have had to stand up in the synagogue and, and disown Christ. And so he warns them, and he warns them because he loves them. Warnings, we should always remember, are an expression of God's love, mercy, and grace for us. Seeking to turn us from ways that will harm us and turn us to him and into the fullness of what he wants to give. Could be that we, maybe today, think we're Christians, we've, we've grown up in a Christian context, we go to church, but actually we've, we're not really there. We need to hear the words of the gospel which warn us to flee from the wrath to come, which warn us to flee to Christ, encourage us to flee to Christ as the only one who is able to save. It could be that as Christians our, our lives are being lived out in the fleshly plane, which is something Paul talks about in Romans. And we're living on what Bonhoeffer called cheap grace, which is actually an abuse of the grace of God. We know that we're, we're saved, we're, we're forgiven, we're justified, and all of that, we have a home in heaven when we die. We have that kind of assurance, but somehow our lives don't match our testimony. And what's more, perhaps maybe we don't even particularly care encountered people like that. And that's a tragic state to be in. We're actually abusing the very grace of God that saves us. And as a result, we are in danger of loss. Not of status, remember that. We're in danger of loss, not of status. We're in danger of losing out on our inheritance, both now and in eternity. So rest, when we look at this passage here, it's found in Hearing and responding to God. I wonder how good are you at hearing God? You know, sometimes we can get immune to sermons because we've heard them for so long that we stop hearing God in the preached message on a Sunday. We can become familiar with our Bibles and 
we're so used to reading, and I have to be very careful with that, because when you, you've been around a few years and you've read your Bible a few times, you kind of know what's coming. You know, when you read the newspaper, you don't, do you? That's why some people find it easier to read the newspaper than the Bible. That's the, the logical fact behind it. But when we, and so we miss the voice of God. When you, when you read the scriptures at home, when you read them together, are you hearing God as you do so? So rest is found in hearing and responding to God in faith. The writer of the Hebrews says that God spoke in the past through the, the prophets and is in these last days spoken through his son. And even now his spirit is calling us to hear what he has to say in Jesus. To believe and trust in him. To not allow ourselves to depart from the living God. God doesn't want you wandering in some wilderness. You know, it's the enemy who comes along and whispers in our ear. Ah, uh, yeah. This is, this is all you can expect from God. You know, uh, he wants us to resign to the fact and live in disbelief and in action. God does not want you wandering in some wilderness. He wants you in the land. Yeah? He does. But how many Christians spend their lives wandering in the wilderness because of unbelief? And you get there, listen, you get there by keeping your eyes on Jesus. That's, you see that all through Hebrews. Keeping your eyes on Jesus. The answer to every question in Hebrews is Jesus. Yeah? It's Jesus over and over again. And so the writer continually lifts up Jesus as the, the one who is God's final word, as the one who is better than Moses, as the one who is indeed the, the great high priest and the priesthood he fulfills is far superior to that than, than anything that has gone before it. That the covenant that they have been partakers of, this new covenant, supersedes the old covenant by a million miles and more. And I, I'd encourage you to just read Hebrews through and through and just feel it and get it, let it get into your bones, let it get down into your soul and, and feel the nature of it because his encouragement time and time again amidst these warnings is Jesus. Look to Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, the one who came and, and, and lived here and was tempted in all points like as we are, who went to the cross absolutely perfect but took our sins to himself and bore our sins on the cross and experienced the, the wrath, the judgment of God in those sins, who propitiated our sins is what the word is. He gave his life for us and he went down into death and he conquered Satan, sin, death and hell. He rises again, he ascends to heaven, the man in the glory. And he says, look at him. Look at him. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Faithful and great high priest. And so you have that exhortation there. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. There's no time like the present. The enemy would say, oh, well, take a bit more time to think about it. You need to process this a little bit more. 
You need to fully understand it before you, you know, you kind of commit and so on. And so, the day becomes tomorrow, but tomorrow never comes. So today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And it's, it's three times there in those two chapters. It's very similar to that expression, isn't it? If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Are you hearing God? Are you responding to him? I reminded you this section is bookended by reference to Jesus as our great high priest. He's faithful in every way. Wow. Came across a lovely quote, which is worth ending with. Um, William Tyndale said this. He said, the law and the gospel are two keys. The law is the key that shutteth up all men under condemnation. And the gospel is the key which opens the door. Let's them out. <laughs> That's the gospel. The gospel is always about freedom. Yeah? And so Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Maybe there are people here this morning who just need to take time out. You need to manage your busy life and just take time out. And learn to discover the rest in him and the renewal and the reframing of your life that is available in him through the Holy Spirit. Amen.